Welcome to The Story Forest, a podcast of original tales for curious and adventurous children. There's a mysterious noise outside Princess Isabel's room in the middle of the night. Someone needs her help. With flying carpets and magic all around, will Princess Isabel and her friends be able to save the day? Written by Anna Roberts and read by her favourite storyteller in the world, her mother, Pam McNaughton. Princess Isabel and the Magic Carpet In the middle of the night, Princess Isabel heard something. She listened again. Had it been a dream? Was it worth rising from her warm, comfortable bed? But then the noise came again, a knocking at the window, and curiosity won out against the comfort of the bed. Princess Isabel crept across the floor and drew back the curtain and looked outside and gasped. Outside was a boy and the boy was sat on a flying carpet. Princess Isabel, he said anxiously, please, I need your help. I need you to come with me now. My kingdom is in terrible danger. The boy looked vaguely familiar. Are you Prince Zane? Princess Isabel asked, looking at him closely. Prince Zane was some sort of cousin of hers and there was a photo of him up just outside a broom cupboard in the castle. They hadn't seen each other for a long time. Of course it is me, Prince Zane said, but we must arrive in my kingdom before the morning. I couldn't think of who else to ask. You see, he gave a deep sigh. Oh, please, may I explain as we fly? We have not much time. Princess Isabel gave him a long look. He looked very, very worried. And, after all, his picture was up next to the broom cupboard. Give me two minutes, she said firmly, and then drew the curtain closed. She quickly jotted down a note for King Daddy and Queen Mummy, explaining what was happening, and then grabbed some adventure clothes and put them on. She was just wondering about leaving a note for Harriet the Hare too, when her bedroom door opened and her best friend hopped in. Harriet! Princess Isabel exclaimed, lifting up her friend. We're going on an adventure. How did you know? I'm a hare, Harriet said contentedly and snuggled down into Princess Isabel's arm. Princess Isabel wondered for a moment about Ulred the unicorn, but a unicorn couldn't very well fit on a magic carpet. She scrawled a PS on her note for her parents to tell him what was going on, then went back to the window where Prince Zane was looking impatient. She climbed out of the window and onto the magic carpet, which felt surprisingly cosy and solid. Prince Zane breathed a sigh of relief, flashed her a smile, and then the magic carpet whizzed away into the night sky. Yesterday, a sorcerer named Kaladin invaded our kingdom, Prince Zane said, 
looking in the direction they were going. He came on his own, but he now has everyone under his power. He speaks and they all do as he says. They bow before him, he scowled. Even my own father, the Sultan. He plays with them as though they were toys, but they cannot seem to escape. I have tried to talk to people, but it is as though they cannot hear me. Princess Isabel frowned. It sounded dreadful. I'm so sorry, she said in a gentle voice. We need help. And I have heard of you, of your adventures and your ideas. And I have come so that you can help me to save the kingdom. Princess Isabel gulped. It sounded like a pretty big job. I will do my best, she said. There was a question that had to be asked. How did you escape? I mean, why aren't you doing what the sorcerer says, just like everyone else? I was on my magic carpet, outside of the kingdom, Prince Zane said. When I came back, everything was changed. I tried to help, then I hid, and when it got dark, I came for you. Kaladin must not put the spell on us too. Mm, a spell, Princess Isabel said thoughtfully. She had come across a few spells on her adventures, but none as dramatic as this. They travelled on through the darkness. Prince Zane urged Princess Isabel to sleep, and she did, and he lay down for a while too, though Princess Isabel got the impression that he was too worried to sleep. When the sun began to rise, they watched its spreading colours across a hotter, yellower land than Princess Isabel was used to. Deserts stretched across the ground, with sand dunes rising high and dropping low. Prince Zane had brought water, and they drank deeply. As the sun grew hotter, Princess Isabel saw a city rising out of the desert, with white buildings with domed towers. Colours and gold shone out from it as they got closer. When they were not far off, the carpet began to get lower and lower until finally it came to rest on the ground. Princess Isabel's legs were stiff as she stood up and stretched. It is still early, Prince Zane said. I did not want anyone to see us come. He led the way towards the city, managing to hide behind walls and plants. Princess Isabel could tell he knew the place very well. They came to the city walls, and Prince Zane climbed in through something that was somewhere between a door and a window. And she followed, then down a small passageway, then up some stairs that led out onto a flat roof. He lay down on his front, and looked out onto a crowded street. Princess Isabel did the same, and Harriet the Hare crouched next to her, looking hot. What are we? Princess Isabel began to say, but moments later a fanfare sounded, and the people everywhere stopped moving, and then started shuffling to the side of the road, leaving a clear path down the middle. Princess Isabel shuddered, as she watched. 
It wasn't that the people were moving because they were people and they wanted to move, more as though their arms and legs and bodies and minds were being told what to do and couldn't help doing it, like they were some sort of terrible, lifelike puppet. Moments later, a procession began down the middle of the street with dancers and trumpets and musicians and fabulous birds flying above. And then came an elephant, painted and decorated, and on its back rode a man wearing splendid purple robes and a large hat with glinting green eyes and a very large moustache. That's him, Prince Zane muttered, though Princess Isabel had already guessed. She looked at him carefully. He held a long stick that looked like a snake with gleaming emeralds as its eyes. As he lifted the stick, the people cried out his name, and when he lowered it, they bowed to the floor. And Princess Isabel suddenly knew what they needed to do. The staff is his magic, she muttered to Prince Zane. Look, as he moves it, the people move too. We need to take it away and break it. That will break the spell. Prince Zane nodded seriously, then moved as though he were about to jump from the rooftop. Princess Isabel caught the edge of his clothes. Not now, she hissed. Are you crazy? We need a proper plan. I am crazy, he looked at her sorrowfully. I am crazy about what he is doing to my kingdom. But you are right. Princess Isabel watched the long procession wind down the street towards what she could now see was the palace, taller and bigger than any other buildings. The sorcerer went into the gates and then they slammed shut. Can you get us into the palace? she asked, thinking that maybe they could get the staff from the sorcerer's room. I think so, Prince Zane said. And he got up again, and she started to follow, tucking Harriet the Hare into a special pouch in her robe so that she would not get stood on. It wasn't easy to keep up with the prince as he dashed down narrow alleyways, over roofs and through arches. But she did, arriving out of breath by the palace wall. Prince Sane gave her a grin, then led her towards a wall, then disappeared. Princess Isabel gasped, and then he stepped out again from behind the wall. The way it was built concealed an entrance completely. Follow me, he said, and she followed him along a passage until he stopped dead. Princess Isabel managed to not make a sound, and it was a good thing, for there was a guard in front of them, armed with a long curving sword. We'll try another way, Prince Zane said, and took her through a stream to a small gate in the cellar. But there was a guard there too. There was also one at the top of a twisted stair, one by the plant you could climb up, and one by the other secret passage. By the end of their exploration, Prince Zane looked dejected. Don't worry, 
Princess Isabel said firmly. We'll just think of a new plan. We need that staff out in the open somehow. Now what would tempt Caladin? What does he love? Glory, Prince Zane said bitterly. Everyone thinking he is wonderful. Yes, Princess Isabel said. And she was quiet for a moment as she thought. OK, here's the plan. We're going to throw a festival to celebrate how amazing Caladin is. Prince Zane looked at her in complete horror. No, listen, I've not been enchanted too. But in the festival, there will be a trap that will mean that we can get his staff. Then we will break it and the magic will break too. Prince Zane was looking at her curiously. That might work, he said. Princess Isabel took a deep breath. But you're going to have to be the one to suggest it to him. He's going to like the idea even more if it comes from you, the prince of the land. No way, Prince Zane said and crossed his arms. But... An hour later, Princess Isabel had persuaded him, and now dressed in smart, princely clothes, he knocked loudly on the gates of the palace. Princess Isabel had noticed that the enchanted people's eyes looked strange, as though they couldn't really see anything, and so she had made Prince Zane practice that look. He entered the palace, and she waited. Of course, the problem with the plan was that they didn't know exactly how Caladin's enchantment worked. It might be that by having an idea of his own, Prince Zane would be showing that he wasn't, in fact, enchanted. But Princess Isabel was hoping that Caladin's pride would make him delighted at the thought of a festival in his honour, maybe enough not to notice. She breathed in deeply. It felt like Prince Zane had been gone forever. And then the gate opened again. Prince Zane walked straight, eyes glassy, seeming not to see or hear anything. Princess Isabel's heart thudded. Had he been enchanted too? Don't worry, Harriet the Hare mumbled. Just wait. And as she finished saying it, Prince Zane turned towards the hiding place and gave a grin and a wink. Princess Isabel grinned in relief. A few moments later, they were on top of a rooftop again. He loved the idea, Prince Zane said. I think he was a bit suspicious at first. But then he kept on going on and on about how the crown prince himself was suggesting this festival. He kept on gloating and gloating. Prince Zane frowned. My father was there. I hope he didn't understand what was going on. Don't worry, Princess Isabel said. Soon we will stop all of this, and then everyone will understand what you had to do, including your father. 
You're right, Prince Zane said. Kaladin said he wanted the festival tonight, so now we've just got to organise it all. Princess Isabel gulped, and then they started planning. The good thing about everyone being enchanted to love the sorcerer was that everyone was very, very willing to help to make the festival happen. Though it had looked like an impossible task at the beginning, it only took a couple of hours for the whole city to be buzzing with activity, making preparations. Prince Zane almost felt bad about everyone pouring so much time and energy and resources into it, but he knew that everyone would like best to be free from the sorcerer, so it was all right. He and Princess Isabel were trying to work out how exactly they were going to get the staff and discussed it over a delicious spicy lunch that someone had given them. Princess Isabel suggested they had a few plans, just in case one of them went wrong. And by the time the sun began to fade, they had some good ideas. When the stars began to shine, lanterns started to light up along the streets and drums began to sound. With the rest of the city, Princess Isabel and Prince Zane walked along the streets to the palace, where the gates were now thrown open wide. The people filed in and stood in neat lines around the edges of a huge courtyard. When everyone was inside, the music was stupendous, and the people began to dance in complete unison with an effect that Princess Isabel thought was a bit creepy. She and Prince Zane hid behind a pillar. Then the event began. It started with lots of circus-type acts, then dances and songs. A storyteller came into the centre of the ring and told a dramatic tale of how Kaladin had rescued their city. Prince Zane gritted his teeth. Their first plan to get the staff was now, while Kaladin was distracted. The two of them crept up behind the throne where he sat. He was leaning forward to listen, but his grip on the staff was firm. It wasn't worth the risk, and they backed away. Next was a dance performance with people in pairs. Princess Isabel had instructed one dancer to ask the sorcerer to dance, hoping that he would leave his staff behind. She came forward to ask him, but he refused and sent a guard in his place. Another plan was foiled. Now huge platters of food were circulated and Princess Isabel watched the sorcerer closely, to see if he put down the staff so that he could eat. But he didn't. Was the sorcerer never going to let go? It was competitions after the food. People performed feats of strength and daring, and then, finally, the last plan came into play. Eight people walked out into the centre of the courtyard, and the way was cleared so that there was a long space in front of them. This was Princess Isabel and Prince Zane's last plan and their last chance to get the spear. Prince Zane was one of the eight and behind the scenes Princess Isabel made her way to the other end of the courtyard. Each person was given a long spear and a trumpet sounded. One by one they threw their spears 
they were champions, and so the spears went a long way. They flew into the darkness and clattered to the floor, each one further and higher than the one before. Prince Zane was the last. He stood up and did something that Princess Isabel didn't expect. I am Prince Zane, he called out loudly. Sorcerer Kaladin has wrongfully enchanted the kingdom, and I challenge him now and here. Whoever throws their spear the farthest will win the kingdom. And then he leant his arm back and looked for a moment like an ancient statue, then flung the spear high into the air where it curved gracefully and flew far, far into the night. But it didn't land. Princess Isabel turned to see Kaladin standing, his staff aloft, bright green light streaming out of it and across the sky, along the arc of Zane's spear. He had destroyed it with magic. Stand aside, he said eyes glinting. Your treachery is noted, Prince Zane. See who has the most power. He stood and he threw the staff, but not with simply human strength. It flew impossibly high, still lit up bright against the sky. The plan was for Princess Isabel to catch it, then break it, and she ran as fast as she could, but there was no way she would ever catch up with it in time. Except that she heard something alongside her, a thundering of hooves, very familiar hooves. She looked to her side and cried out, Oh, Red! He slowed enough for her to jump on his back, and then he ran at his top unicorn speed. They caught up, and Princess Isabel stood on Ulred's back to catch the staff. It shivered in her hand as she caught it as though it were alive, but she slammed it down onto the ground, and it broke down the middle, then into a million splinters, and the splinters turned into glowing worms and buried into the sand before fading away. She had done it! She turned and threw her arms around Ulred the unicorn's neck. You did it, she said gratefully, and Ulred nuzzled her. Don't leave me behind, he said. They turned back to the city, where hundreds of people were spilling out into the desert, dancing and rejoicing with freedom and colour. Princess Isabel sat on Ulred the unicorn's back, and they walked slowly towards the palace. Inside, they found Prince Zane sat on a small throne next to the large one where the Sultan sat. He stood up to thank Princess Isabel and presented her with a large ruby on a necklace, which she accepted, even though she knew she would never wear it. Then the Sultan said that they would show her what a real party was like and there was feasting and celebrating and much delight and relief from everyone. Kaladin, who had no powers now his staff was gone, was locked in prison. 
When it got very late, Princess Isabel said goodbye to Prince Zane, who offered her the use of a magic carpet. But seeing Ulred the unicorn's face, she declined, and instead got on his back, and she and Harriet rode at top unicorn speed on Ulred's back all the way home. King Daddy and Queen Mummy had waited up for her, and she told them the whole story before collapsing into bed, exhausted. I don't think I'll need another adventure tomorrow, she said. And then she was asleep. The end. Would you rather fly on a magic carpet or in an aeroplane? Can you design your own patterned magic carpet? Don't forget, Princess Isabel has had tons of adventures and you can listen to all of them and more here on The Story Forest. Thank you.